Welcome to The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. This is the show to help you navigate the challenging moods we all experience as human beings and where you will learn the best strategies to feel the good moods and good vibes we all love to feel. Because when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. This is The Good Mood Show. Now, here's your host, Matt O'Neill. Welcome to The Good Mood Show. I'm your host, Matt O'Neill. Be sure to hit subscribe and get a good mood every single week. Today, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're talking with Lion Goodman, founder of Clear Beliefs Institute. Lion, welcome to The Good Mood Show. Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to talk with the king of the jungle. <laughs> As you know, the lion is my spirit animal, as I'm sure it is also yours. And Indeed. Uh, it's an honor to get this chance to talk with you. You've got an incredible story. You've got incredible teachings. What you will learn from today's show as you listen is specifically how to delete the limiting beliefs that hold you back and also how you can create your life on purpose. And Lion has a free resource for you. We've got an article. It's a, it's a download. It's a PDF, The Power of Beliefs. You can get a copy of that if you're on our email list. If not, no worries. Go to goodmoodshow.com, enter your email in the contact form or the newsletter. Either way, you can download that instantly. And man, Lion just knows about beliefs. He, The founder of the Clear Beliefs Institute, he's a professional certified therapeutic coach with 40 years of experience as an executive coach, teacher, healer, and subconscious pattern detective. He's the creator of the Clear Beliefs Method for Deleting Limiting Beliefs, and that's what we're going to talk about today. He helps people heal from childhood wounds and resolve trauma. More than 600 coaches, therapists, and healers around the world have graduated from his Clear Beliefs coaching training. He's the author of five books, including Clear Clients Limiting Beliefs and Creating on Purpose. And man, he has got one heck of an amazing story. And Lion, I'm going to just get into it. When you were 26, um, something pretty profound happened to you. Do you mind sharing that story? Not at all. Happy to share it. It's uh, my 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> uh, so I graduated from college, University of Colorado, with a degree in consciousness studies. And as far as I know, it's one of the first degrees granted in that field. I was an early pioneer on the bleeding edge of, of a trying to understand what is consciousness, what is the mind, how does it work? And unfortunately, uh, there weren't any companies hiring people with degrees in consciousness studies at the time. So, <laughs> so uh, I, didn't, I couldn't find a job. Uh, so I took a job selling jewelry and gift items on the road. Uh, and so I was traveling for a year and a half around the Southwest United States from Colorado to California, um, selling stuff to, to stores. And I was kind of like an itinerant hippie salesman. I, I was taking my time, having a good time, getting to know the country, uh, going on adventures. And uh, because I was a, a student of spirituality and religions and philosophy, I was a nice guy. And I would stop and help people as a good Samaritan uh, when they their cars had broken down or they needed to change a tire, that kind of thing. So that was just part of my life is helping people on the road. and. 
Um, in this particular case, I was traveling from Las Vegas to LA through the Mojave Desert. And there was a guy whose car had broken down in the middle of the desert. It was about 110 degrees out. Oh, my. So I stopped and I said, you know, can I help you? And he said, oh, you know, I don't know. I just put $200 into her and she won't start. And I don't know what to do. And I said, well, I'm heading into L.A. Do you want to ride? And he looked at me kind of funny. He said, yeah, OK. And he took his stuff, some duffel bags and suitcases and, and boxes and, and put them in my van, which was already pretty crowded with all the stuff I was carrying. It was like an RV van. We ended up uh, traveling for three days together. Uh, I grew to trust him. I, I kind of took him under my wing. I had him run errands like fill up the, the tank with gas or get the van washed. Uh, and we were camped out for the third night uh, in the middle of the desert. And I was in the back of the van, crouched down, moving things around to try to make more room by putting things in cabinets. He was in the front of the van listening to music. And suddenly there was an explosion and something hit me in the head. And I, at first I thought it was the gas stove that it had exploded. And I looked up and the gas stove was intact. And then I looked to my left and I saw him in the front seat with a gun pointed at my head. And I realized he had shot me. And at first I thought he was warning me. Uh, he was going to take my stuff. And at that point, I, I, I think I said either out loud or to myself, it's all yours meaning take all my stuff, leave me naked outside, go. You know, like, uh, that's fine. I, I, I can give up everything that I have you know, for my life. And then he shot again. Oh. And uh, in a closed van, a, a gun sounds very loud. Oh my gosh, yeah. The, the second bullet missed me. Uh, and I realized he's not warning me, he's going to kill me. Right. Because uh, there's nothing I can do. I'm a sitting duck. I can't move. I can't defend myself. He's 12 feet away with his hand propped up. I understand physics. I'm a dead person. So I thought, okay, well, here I am, 26 years old. Uh, this is the end of my life. How do I want to end life? And I had studied death and dying, among all the other things I had studied. So I realized I didn't want to die with anger or upset in my system. I wanted to die clean. And so I went through my past, kind of a fast reverse movie, and asked forgiveness for all of the people that I had hurt. Mm. I forgave all those that had hurt me because I wanted to go clean. And, and then he shot again. So the third bullet also missed me by a fraction of an inch. But of course, I jumped, you know. And by this time, I was floating outside my body in the, in a, this golden light. And I was saying to Source, okay, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm clean. Let's let's go. I'm ready to go home. Yeah. Uh, and it was this kind of golden honey light flowing through me, through my spirit body. And I was looking down at the van, which was like a little uh, dramatic scene that you might make in a shoebox, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and finding that somewhat amusing. And so I was ready to ready to go. And he shot a fourth time. And this time my head was violently thrown to the right. And Blood was flowing down from my head onto my shirt and, my, and you know, everywhere. And I was back in my body. And I thought that was strange. I knew I was supposed <laughs> to be out of my body. You know? You're like, that's so not how this works, man. You're <laughs> yeah. like, hey, I, like, I, I was just, you know, you don't shoot me again and I come back. Yeah, you know, it was, it was strange. It was a, sh a shocker. <clears throat> but I thought, okay, well, um, first of all, I, I, 
I didn't know where the bullet had gone. There was a lot of blood. And, uh, and so I was kind of checking myself because I also studied anatomy and physiology and dance and mime and those kinds of things. So I was, I knew my body well and I was kind of checking all my body functions and they were all okay. And I was checking my mental functions and they were all okay. My head hurt like hell, but I was intact somehow. I couldn't find anything missing. Um, and so I said, well, if I'm going to die, I want to at least look my assassin in the eyes because I was perpendicular to him. And so I picked up my head and I turned to my left and looked at him. And he freaked out and he jumped up and he said, why are you dead, man? You're supposed to be dead. And I didn't have a good answer for that question. So I just said, here I am. I was all right. I was still in this flowing golden light, you know. And then he said, that's too weird, man. It's too weird. It's just like my dream this morning. Whoa. Yeah, that's what I said. I said, <laughs> what dream? And he said, I dreamed I was shooting at this guy, and he would, but he wouldn't die. But it wasn't you. It was somebody else in the dream. Huh. And I thought, this is strange. Uh, who wrote this script? And how did I get into this movie without signing a contract? I mean, right. Like, <laughs> right. Holy moly. <laughs> And and it was so strange. I thought, okay, something's going on here. I'm not dead. He's freaking out because he had a dream. And here we are. And I thought, if, if I could get him to talk, he wouldn't shoot me. Uh, there was a possibility he wouldn't shoot me again. Smart. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't smart. Know what I, I like I like the way that your your shot up brain is working. <laughs> yeah. like, like, let's let, let's let him use his words instead of his gun. <laughs> exactly. So I just started talking very slowly to him and trying to calm him down. He was jumping around because he was all full of adrenaline, having just shot a guy four times. And he was looking out the windows. We were in the middle of nowhere. Nobody would have heard the shots or come if they had, you know. So, yeah. uh, so I knew we were, you know, it was just us. And uh, so I very slowly tried to get him. And he kept saying, shut up, man, shut up. Why aren't you dead? Why aren't you dead? I shot you four times in the head, man. Why aren't you dead? And so I just said, well, I'm not dead. Here I am. And. And uh, he actually came over to me and he looked at my head and he said, does it hurt? And I, at that point, I thought, okay, he's caring. Okay. He's not, you know, he's not aggressively trying to kill me. He's caring about me. Yeah. So I said, uh, yeah, it hurts, but I think I'm okay. Okay. And there were some more exchanges and, 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 and then he said, uh, okay, man, I, I'm going to take you to a hospital that I know. Whoa. And I said, okay, that's fine. <laughs> he said, well, I'm going to put some stuff around you so you can't move. I went, okay. And he kind of took boxes and like boxed me in, in the back of the van. And he got, went to the front of the van, started up the car, and the car started, he started driving the car. And so I had some amount of time. I have no idea how much because I was completely out of time and space at this point. Sure. I, you know, I have, but I was conscious, but I didn't have an understanding of time, but it was felt like about a half an hour of driving. And I was thinking like, okay, this is weird. Um, you know, I'm 26 years old. I thought I had a future, but then I thought, well, maybe I didn't have a future. That's why I couldn't envision it because I was going to be dead, but now I'm alive. And so now what, what's going to happen now? And he's taking me to the hospital and then what? And they finally pulled the car over and stopped it and turned off the engine. And I knew we weren't near a hospital. Mm. Because there were no lights, no bright lights. Right. And he, after a couple of minutes, he walked back to and sat down next to me with a gun in his hand. He said, I can't take you to the hospital, man. I have to kill you. And I said, oh, why is that? 
He said, because if, if, uh, if I take you to the hospital, they're going to put me back in jail. I can't go back to jail, Matt. And I thought, oh, not only is this a crazy person with a gun, it's a crazy ex-con with a gun. Sure. <laughs> so it elevated the, the uh, intensity of what was going on here. But I stayed in this glowing space. I mean, it was, uh, I was sort of in love and he was included in it. There was no, there was no separation between us. And so I just said, well, maybe we don't have to, you know, maybe you don't have to take me to the hospital. Maybe go, no, I can't trust you, man. I can't trust you. They'll, they'll hunt me down. They'll put me back. I, I got to kill you. So we talked about that for a while. And maybe a half hour, an hour, we were in conversation. And, and meanwhile, you're bleeding. Well, the bleeding had kind of stopped. Uh, huh. the ble- you know, the, it was still, I, I touched my head and it was all sticky and, you know, full of blood, but bl- the bleeding had stopped. Um, and at one point I said, you know, I'm, I'm really cramped here. You know, I need to get up and stretch. And he said, okay, but don't do anything funny. And I went, no, I'm not going to do anything funny. So he let me out of the van and, and he was behind me and he pointed down a hill to a pond. And so I was walking down the hill. Uh, the, the sun had started to rise by this time. There were birds singing and I went, oh my God, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard because I was reborn. I mean, I was, yeah. I was, and I didn't have to go through the nasty diaper stage, you know, so it was pretty cool. That's good. So, um, so I'm, I'm leaning down, I'm washing off the blood and I stood up and turned toward him and he looked at me strangely and he kind of held the gun out to me and he said, what would you do if I handed you this gun? And I said, I'd throw it out into the water there. And he said, you wouldn't shoot me? You wouldn't try to kill me? I said, no, why would I do that? You have your life, I have mine, we're okay. And then he gave me a really strange look and he said, man, you are the weirdest person I've ever met. And I knew that was probably the weirdest person he would ever meet. Mm -hmm. So we went back to the van and we continued our conversation for many hours I asked him to tell me what, you know, how he had gotten into that position, what his background was. I found out he had been born in poverty, uh, alcoholic father who beat him up, uh, gotten into drug dealing and then stole drugs from his drug dealer. And, you know, he was on the run, but he stole his father's gun and money and, you know, was trying to get out of town, but then his car broke down and he decided to kill whoever stopped to help him. Weird. And I, and I had volunteered. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually we, we worked out a deal. We, there was a lot of negotiation, but we worked out a deal and the agreement was I would not turn him in and he would never do anything like that again. Okay. And we shook on it, drove to a place that, that he knew he got out, took all of his luggage and stuff with him. And uh, we shook hands and said goodbye. And I went back to the van and drove myself to the hospital. And in the emergency room, the physician was sewing up my scalp and he said, you know, what happened? And I told him, he said, well, you're lucky. You're a lucky man. Two bullets grazed you. They bounced off your skull. Hmm. I knew I wasn't lucky. I knew I was blessed. Yeah. And he said, you know, you have to report this to the police. I said, yeah, I know. (laughs) But of course I didn't because that was my agreement. It was your agreement, right. And I believe he kept his part of the agreement as well. Wow. Man, everything about that story is just riveting and powerful. You, you were meant to pick him up. What What was the awakening that you had from that moment? Well, one of the awakenings was, uh, I'm not as psychic as I thought I was. 
because I had no clue that he, he and he told me later that he had taken out the gun many times to shoot me during those three days but he couldn't do it and when i asked why he said because you kept being nice to me <laughs> so that, well, so ni niceness wins that's a yeah. that's a nice guys do win that's a, that's a great confirmation there yeah and the other thing i realized later is that one of the reasons i didn't die was because i was so relaxed in such acceptance of the experience there was no resistance at all it's my time to die. Okay, let's get ready. Let's go. I was so relaxed. There was no tension in my neck so that when the fourth bullet hit me, it actually pushed my head over, mm. allowed the bullet to bounce off, to glance off. If I had had any anger or upset in my in tension in my neck, the top of my head probably would have been blown off. So acceptance, forgiveness, love, that's what wins. And can save your life. So, so that's all you got was acceptance, forgiveness, and love. Well, I was. I'm kidding, man. Those are like the, those are like the three greatest <laughs> gifts you could ever be given. Oh man, you were telling your story, and I, I couldn't help but think of Caddyshack when Bill Murray says he's being a caddy for the Dalai Lama, and at the end of the at the end of the uh, time with the Dalai Lama, he says, "Hey, man, how about a tip?" And the Dalai Lama says, there will be no money, but on your deathbed, you will have total consciousness. And Bill Murray says, so I got that going for me, which is nice. And I'm like, you're telling your story and you've got this supreme consciousness, right? On your deathbed, you're like, you're able to pray and take time and review your whole life and try to you know, make amends for anything that hadn't been made amends. And like, you've got such awareness about you that you're uh, asking for forgiveness and, and clearing out any anger. Like that's what a gift. And, and like, obviously your study had prepared you for that. And, and also your lifestyle, the way you had been living had prepared you to be that conscious at such a young age. Yeah. Um, agreed. <laughs> There's not much I can say to that other than yes, that's true. That that's been my quest my whole life. Yeah. So how can our listener gain acceptance, forgiveness, and love without getting shot in the head four times? Yeah, it's a, uh, it certainly awakened me, but I don't recommend it as a path to awakening. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> how can one gain that? I think it's a choice. I think that... Uh, acceptance is something that you you do or don't you know you if you accept what your experience is and you feel it fully then it has the possibility of being processed through your nervous system and if you don't accept it fully whatever you're experiencing if you resist it then it gets caught up in a resistance cycle and it gets stuck in you and this is what PTSD is, is basically unprocessed experience. And because of the, all the ways we cannot experience our experience. So by being willing to experience whatever you're experiencing at the moment, even if it's painful, even if it's uncomfortable, then your, your nervous system is built to be able to process it, integrate it, poop out what's not needed, take in the, the information that's valuable. And, and then you move on to the next experience. So one of the things I teach in my training is 
all of the ways we cannot experience our experience. We can think about it. We can decide something else. We can do something else. We can go to a comfort food or a drug or alcohol. Uh, we can talk endlessly about it to someone else. We can uh, ignore it, suppress it, push it away, uh, pretend it doesn't exist. These are all ways of not experiencing our experience. And I would say for most people, 90% of what they experience, they're not really experiencing. They're just shoving it down somewhere into their system. And if you shove enough anger down, you could get cancer or heart disease. If you shove enough of it down, you can gain weight and not be able to lose it. If you shove enough of it down, you can kill yourself slowly through addiction or, or any of the other ways we have of making ourselves feel better. So that's the goal. Hey, if you love to stay in good moods as much as I do, be sure to hit the subscribe button on the Good Mood Show podcast. That way we could get you a good mood every single week. And look, if you know someone else that could use a good mood, share the show with them. Send them a text message. Let them know about the Good Mood Show and let's brighten up the world. I, I had a belief when I was younger that I deserved to be abandoned. And that played out or I created it to be played out multiple times in my adult life. Mm-hmm. How, how would I identify a, a, this limiting belief and then delete it so that I could replace it with something powerful? The first way is to identify the pattern. You've seen the pattern in your life. And for anyone who's listening, whatever pattern keeps repeating in their life, there's an underlying belief there. Yeah, I also heard, that, and I, just to give the listener a little bit more, whatever you fiercely judge in someone there's most likely that exact same thing as a limiting belief in yourself that needs to be forgiven. So, True. so if I fiercely am judging someone who's cruel, probably there's some type of limiting belief in me where I need to forgive cruelty that I, I have caused in the past or some cruelty that happened to me in the past. And so our experience becomes our conclusions or our beliefs those beliefs then start creating our reality because the belief acts like a filter in front of our eyes. So in order to clear that belief, we have to go down into the originating experience and clear it from the psyche. And we do that through a combination of many different technologies. We use a guided visualization, for example, to go back and actually change the belief, change what happened in experience in order to clear it out of the psyche could, completely. Could we do, could we do a, a quick version of that? Sure. Sure. Um, would you like to be the subject? I'm here. I'm here for <laughs> it, Lion. And if you're listening, think of a pattern that shows up in your life that, and you're like, man, why does this keep happening to me? Uh, you know, I think classically of the person that, that says, um, there, there's no good men out there, right? And and all the good ones are taken. That would be a limiting belief. And so if there's, so, or I liked what you said, hey, um, you know, I, I, I we, we're always going to be poor. Uh, for me, it was I deserve to be abandoned or I deserve punishment or cruelty. Um, so if there's a limiting belief you're thinking of, uh, follow along here as, as Lion's taking me through this limiting belief of, of deserving to be abandoned. Great. Ready? Yes. All right. So close your eyes, if you would, and feel what it feels like to be abandoned. Now, we take you into feelings because feelings are much more essential than memory or thought. 
So what does it feel like in your body when you say, I'm worthy of being abandoned or I'm, I'm being abandoned? What does it feel like in your body? Man, I just feel like uh, a hurt in the middle of my chest. Mm -hmm. Put your attention on that hurt in the middle of your chest. And then first of all, allow it to be there. This is part of the being willing to experience your experience. Allow it to be there. And every sensation has a shape and size and it has outermost limits. So check to see where the outermost limits are. Sometimes they're very clearly defined. Sometimes they kind of fuzz out until they're gone. And so get a sense and tell me what the size and shape of that sensation is in your chest. Yeah, it's like a, it's like the shape of a, like a Tylenol pill, but mm -hmm. larger, like mm -hmm. maybe like six inches in size. And it's kind of, kind of like a grayish beige color. Great, great. And how, how thick is it? It's kind of translucent, man. Okay, so it's translucent, about six inches in diameter. Mm -hmm. And the thickness of that of that pill shape is how many inches? Yeah, like maybe three. Okay, good. So just allow that three inch by six inch pill-shaped translucent sensation to be there. And give it space. And breathe. Make sure you're breathing. And if you were to take the sensation out of your body and put it on a weight scale, how much would it weigh? Half a pound. Okay, good. And is it moving in any way or is it still? I, I feel like I'm turning it with my mind. Okay, well, allow it to be what it is rather than you trying to control it or manage it. And just notice whether it's turning. And if it's turning, just let me know. Yeah, I'm, I, I messed with it, dude. It's, it's moving. Okay, well, that's fine. That's fine. So just observe its movement and let it move. When we put our attention on a sensation in this way, sometimes the sensation will change because you're experiencing it as it is. So just allow the change to happen. And is it putting pressure in any particular direction or not? No pressure. Well, my heart has started to beat like more ferociously. Mm -hmm. And I, I can feel my shoulders tensing. Okay, good. Just allow all that to happen. And if this pill-shaped translucent object were made of some material, what would it be made of? Like the outside of a pill, like a plastic, like mm -hmm. a flimsy plastic. Okay, good. Now, every sensation is like a messenger knocking at our door. And if you ignore the messenger, they knock louder and louder and louder until finally they take out a sledgehammer and they break the door down. But if you open the door and say, what mess, what, do you, what? It says, well, I have a message for you. Here, sign here. And so you sign it and then they go away happy because they've delivered the message. So this sensation is a messenger and it will speak to you if you ask it a question. So ask it with kind of a curious and generous heart. What message do you have for me? And then listen to whatever it says. It may answer in words, pictures, memories. Just ask it, what message do you have for me? You are lovable. Oh, good. Thank it for communicating that. Yeah, thank you. And ask it, what message, what's the belief underneath I am lovable? I think it's just reconnection. You know, this desire to be connected and close with people I care for. Mm-hmm. Good. And ask it, what do you have to tell me about being abandoned? That it was for me. And ask it, what did I, what was I to learn from 
that experience. It was protection. And now I ask, what kind of protection was it? What was it protecting me from? Yeah, man, my mom is all love. And so my dad is the one that, that left us and uh, he wasn't all love. So I was able to flourish from that point. Good. So to take a couple breaths and let all that go. Now come back to the statement. I am, how did you phrase it? I am worthy of abandonment or I'm. Yeah. I deserve abandonment. Deserve abandonment. Uh -huh. And feel that phrase in your body. Mm -hmm. And imagine that very young child who came to that conclusion. In fact, you can take that feeling and go back in time back and back and back and back further and further and further until the first time you concluded that it's like a stone skipping across water in your memory just touching on incidents in which you felt that way till yeah. you get to the first time you felt that way yeah i can see it good describe the scene i'm in the basement at my uh babysitter's house and it's dark mm -hmm. and are you alone mm -hmm. yep and has the babysitter abandoned you or left you? No, I left myself. I, I went downstairs and everyone's trying to find me, but I just didn't, mm. I just didn't feel like being found. Mm. Feel that sensation of not wanting to be found. And what was it you had concluded that brought you to this place of not wanting to be found? That I didn't deserve it. Didn't deserve what? I didn't deserve anyone's love or attention. Mm. Feel that belief, what that feels like to not deserve love or attention. Yeah, it's heavy, man. Mm -hmm. And what had you done to cause you to not deserve love or attention? I think it was just the way I was, just who I was. And who were you? I was a sweet little boy. So there's something that's not making sense to me, which is you were a sweet little boy, but somehow you felt like you did not deserve love or attention. So. What is, where's the, where's the conflict in you? Yeah. So it, it's, I, I was just shamed, man. It was just constant shame. Like uh -huh. not, n nothing, nothing I could do was enough. Uh -huh. So I just developed this belief that there wasn't, that, that just who I was, wasn't enough. Uh, and who was it that shamed you? My dad. Mm -hmm. Would you be willing to give that shame back to your father? He can Is have he, it, man. He's got gonna, he's got it anyway, you. but he can have gonna, this one I'm too. Gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you through a process, okay? Yeah. So I'd like you to feel the shame in your body, in your little body back then, underneath your father's words and how he told you that you weren't enough, there's something wrong with you, anything he said that gave you that feeling of shame. Mm -hmm. It's an awful feeling, and it's one that nobody wants to feel. Right. But be willing to feel it. And I'd like you to go to your inner sanctuary, wherever you go to do inner work, mm -hmm. and feel that shame that you felt as a little boy. And imagine a mirror, a full-length mirror appearing in front of you, and the mirror is magic. It's going to show you what that, what, uh, that feeling is as an outfit of clothing. And so walk up to the mirror and see what the shame looks like in the mirror. Yeah, it's like a big, heavy robe, like black robe. And is this a feeling and a belief that you want to keep or one you want to let go of? No, I want to drop that robe, man. Okay, go ahead and drop it off of you. 
And now I'd like you to look inside your body and find all the places where that feeling, that feeling of shame is in your tissues, in your bones, in your muscles. Pull it out of you, out of your eyes and ears and throat and wherever it's lodged. Pull it out of you and let it also fall to the ground. Okay. Is it completely out of you and off of you? It's gone. Okay. Well, it's on the ground, hopefully. <laughs> yep. Okay, good. So now I'd like you to bring your father into your space, but he's going to come in in a bubble that you control. You yep. can't do or say anything without your permission. So bring him in and float that bubble down in front of you five or 10 feet away. Mm -hmm. Is he there? Yep. Okay. Now I'd like you to reach down and push together that robe and all that stuff you took out of you. Push it into a, something you can hold in your two hands, size of a basketball or a beach ball. Mm -hmm. Tell me when you've got that. Got it. Okay, walk up to your father's bubble and just show him this bundle of belief and say to him, dad, father, whatever you called him, you gave me this belief. Say it out loud. You gave me this belief. It's not mine and it was never mine. It's not mine and it was never mine. I don't want it or need it anymore. I don't want it or need it anymore. So I'm going to give it back to you and you can do with it whatever you will. So I'm giving it to you and you can do with it as you will. And is there anything else you want to say to him before you hand him this bundle of belief? Yeah, I'm sorry for your sorrow. Good. And then just push that bundle through the bubble until it's in his hands and then yeah. take a few steps back. Yeah, he's got it. Good. Now, you have a choice at this point. You can either hear what he has to say or not. Either way is okay. Which do you prefer? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here for him. Okay, so ask him if he has anything he wants to say to you right now. He says he's sorry and he's just been just really sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you have any response? Yeah, I love him. Mm. Good. When you're ready, you can send his bubble back to where he came from and feel what it feels like to be without all that. That's nice. Yeah, this yeah. is great. Good. Now, what you've just done is you've created space. And in this space, you get to implant what you want to create, what belief you want to believe about yourself. So close your eyes again. Go mm -hmm. back into that, that sanctuary. And what this is a collaboration. So what would you like to believe about yourself instead? That I am lovable, deserving of love, and um, yeah, just a, a beautiful person. Good, good. That feels good to me. Is there, is there any way you can upgrade it? Can you like take it up another level so that you're shining with the light <laughs> of the truth? Yeah, that I'm a bright light. That I'm a I'm, I'm a force for good. That mm. I, I I can really um, shine brightly now. Beautiful. So uh, phrase it, try phrasing it this way, see how it feels. I am a bright light. I am a bright light of love and goodness. I'm a bright light of love and goodness. How does that feel? I love it. Good. So now feel this new belief through all 70 trillion of your cells that are all jumping <laughs> up and down and doing the boogaloo and the waltz, celebrating this truth of who you are. Yeah. And each cell is shining its light out in all directions. 
so that your whole body is lit up with this truth of who you are, that you are a light of love and goodness. And let that light shine widely. Let it shine in all directions like a sun throughout all parts of your life and feel the truth of who you are. This is who you really are. Man, that feels good. <laughs> good. And now walk back over to the mirror. Close your mm -hmm. eyes once more. We're almost finished. Yes. Walk, walk back over to the mirror and see what you look like now. I'm shining, man. Yeah, I'm looking great. Happy, joyful, just a brilliant, bright light. Wonderful. No darkness. That cloak is gone. Good. Is this a belief you want to keep? Yep. All right. So fly yourself all the way back to your body and feel your body right now shining with that light. You know it's true. This is the truth. It's who you always have been and who you always will be. Lion, thank you, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna capture that phrase. I'm a bright light of love and goodness. Oh. It's powerful. How do you feel? I feel like a bright light. Like I feel lit, man. And then I just want to light everybody up. I just want them all to feel like this. Like, man, shine. Shine your light. We don't have to carry that darkness. It's true. And we need to consciously delete it, delete those things from our system because otherwise they're just resting in the subconscious mind. So this is the process of clearing at the deep subconscious using the subconscious mind, the conscious mind, and the superconscious mind all at once. And that's what makes it so effective and powerful. I got to call my dad, make sure he's okay with that cloak. Hopefully, <laughs> well, hopefully he gives it back to, to hopefully he gives <laughs> it back to his dad and his mom and, and they're not here. So, so they're, they're in a, in a higher realm and in heaven, they can take it. Uh, they don't, they don't want us to suffer. Right. They did. They didn't. That was all accidentally passed down. They didn't, they didn't mean for it. As we said earlier in the show, they were doing the best they could. Yeah, we have a process for clearing generational traumas as well as current traumas. So, um, and social programming, and you know, it's like whatever it is that impacted us. And there's millions of things that impacted us and gave us information about who we are. And we came to conclusions based on what happened to us. So, many of it's familial trauma and intergenerational trauma. Sometimes it's developmental trauma. Sometimes our parents just didn't know. There's just ignorance. They didn't right. know how to love us or they right. never got loved properly themselves. So um, all of this can be cleared. That's beautiful, yeah. man. And, uh, and Lion has written a, a PDF called The Power of Beliefs that you can get from goodmoodshow.com. If you go there, um, you'll be able to download that uh, PDF instantly. Um, Lion, there's going to be people that hopefully had a spiritual journey and uh, and a brightening themselves today. I certainly did, man. Uh, and and hopefully that they did as well. But there'll be other people that, that are going to want to learn more. You know, how, how could people learn more from you and, and the great work you're doing? We offer monthly free events where we help people identify the core beliefs that are holding them back. And they can register for those free events at beliefrelief.net. If they want my free ebook, they can go to clearyourbeliefs.com and click on the free ebook. And that will be an ebook about beliefs, how they form, where they come from, how they function, and how to clear them. And my own personal website, where I have lots of stories, including the story of my near death experience, is at liongoodman.com. Dude, I got to read that ebook. I got to get on your free events. Man, I just love the work you're doing. I mean, I mean, seriously, 
man. Thank you for guiding me through that today. I'm sure the person listening was able to, if they were able to pull over and, and close their eyes and really process what you were saying, I'm sure they were able to process too. And, and if you're listening, thank you for listening. And thank you for investing in yourself. As you brighten up your mood, you light up the world. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. For free resources, videos, and materials about getting into your best moods, head over to thegoodmoodshow.com. And remember, when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. See you next week. Same time, same place.